They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is season two, episode number 28. I'm one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish. Welcome again to another round of nasty goodness slash weirdness slash mediocreness slash sometimes downright badness. Joining me on this episode as always, my co-host for the entirety of the tier three list is my good buddy Mark Ball. How's it going, Mark? Hi Duncan, hello listeners. It's May finally. It's the the month of my birth. It's when gardening season finally starts. It's when all the the big blockbuster movies finally start coming out in theaters. It's you know usually the beginning of uh, the 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 tentpole movie season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, uh, <laughs> excited to be here mostly about <laughs> the movies at least. Uh, we're yeah we're talking about one that's probably the most important movie of my life so far and one that uh i was like have i seen this before or have i just seen a hundred other movies that are exactly like this (laughs) uh i had seen both um for better or worse uh one of them i was speaking to you off here one of them as soon as it kicked in i was like all right now i remember this one and that wasn't like the happy oh yeah now i remember this one um it wasn't <laughs> it, it wasn't that at all i thought with, with gardening season kicking off does that mean that you change your ringtone to pinching that to green times <laughs> <laughs> i should i probably should uh well i mean mostly the, the, that that sort of thing's not legal where i'm at so i mean yeah dr green thumb to uh some some nice salad greens and some, ah, yes. some some peppers and some green onions and well yeah, that, to... the, the stuff that you were insinuating that i possibly was insinuating a meaning by the connotations there within the song let it smart uh, isn't legal over here so i purely meant sally greens <laughs> true yes uh, for, i forgot about that come on europe get with the fucking program europe will never get with the state. program dead like it's like <laughs> it's i don't the thing about it is like in America, clearly huge contentious issue, mostly because if you were caught with it, you face serious jail time. In the UK, you don't. That's true, yeah. It might not be as much a priority if there's not people yeah. like rotting in jail for the rest of their fucking that's lives the, for That's it. the difference. I think if like sentencing was harsher in this country, there'd be more a push for decriminalisation. I mean, that's not to say there isn't a push. There certainly is, but I think it's just so far down the list of things that you know arc people in general in the uk um and it's that's my that's duncan's theory and he's sticking to it is just the you know most of the time the police will be like come on what are you doing right we're confiscating that and you know have a have a good night uh, rather than like <laughs> he's got a gun you know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking, you know what I mean? it's uh it's, it's never really like that in the uk so um did we like this is like one, I'm very proud of us for, I mean, this episode I'm going to be editing and putting out tonight. So we're only one day 
short of getting this out within the time frame that we are contractually, the contracts between me and you and no one else, contractually obligated <laughs> to do. So we've moved heaven and earth to make this episode happen. And two, it does mean that by the end of next month, we'll be back on track. Um, yep. Which makes me makes me very happy. What have you been up to in the mere, what, two weeks since we last chatted? Yeah, it was just like two weeks that we talked. Uh, I've been yeah, it's unemployed. Been two weeks. <laughs> no, quite long, does it? Uh, I've been I've been unemployed for the last week. I put in my two weeks at work and uh, yeah. Let's just stress that's because you have a new job, not because you were like, yes fucking fired. Yep. Yeah, I didn't, didn't get fired, but yeah, I got a nice little window of about three weeks before I start my new job, yeah. which is good because it's given me time to get the get the new album of music finished. Mm-hmm. It finally has a title. It, it's called Jinxed. Yes. It's named named after my 18 year old half blind diabetic cat that may or may not live to see the next fucking album. Uh, so if he doesn't, this, this one's for him. He's, yeah. he's been my, my, my little homie, my little, you know, sit, sits next to me while I drink beer and do stupid shit, like watch movies and, you know, write music and crap. So mm. this one's him. Uh, should be on Bandcamp next week, I'm pretty sure. Nice. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm the only fancy mark on Bandcamp, but I think I had to do something stupid with my... Uh, professional page over there that's like fancy underscore mark or I'm, I'm the only but... fancy mark it's like the movie the one with jet lee where you basically had to travel the multiverse find all the other ones kill them and assume their power <laughs> yep there there were other fancy marks uh, not not anymore uh it'd be funny if there's yeah like a there's got to be a rapper somewhere in the same fancy mark i, I haven't been able to find one I think but it'll maybe... be like m-e-r-c or something yeah you know what i mean yep or M-A-R, Fancy Marks, it's a, it's a, a socialist uh, yeah, yeah. hip-hop group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't spend their money on cars. They redistribute the wealth to create a better, more inclusive society. <laughs> the lyrics are just in pamphlets on brown recycled paper. <laughs> uh... So yeah, I, I, I've been doing that. I think immediately after we recorded the last episode, I sat down to watch the Sam Neill movie Possession. Oh wow! Which <laughs> holy fucking shit! You you cannot be nothing can prepare you for that movie. That movie it's is raw fucking, as fuck. It's it's unhinged. Like I, I think, and there's like there's some really sad story about the actress in that movie too is yes. there like she actually like went fucking crazy after yes. filming this movie and like killed herself or something That's yeah there's a, there's all manner of rumors um about what actually happened on set uh sam neil is specifically tight-lipped about it and even yeah. zanowski who did the direction um I think Sam Neill said up to a point that he would never tell stories about it until the director had passed. And then he passed oh what, like like a year ago. Well, no, I'll be set several years ago, maybe about four or five years ago. He passed on, and even then he was like, eh. I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, like, this might be like a deathbed conversation. Um, yeah, it's oh, like geez. that. There's there are a few films in the world where I'm like, it's like someone has distilled like the pure essence of what it feels like to like be in the worst breakup ever and then just pour all that out in the camera yeah i mean it really is it's the sort of like hopefully you watched it without your better half 
No, God, no. Yeah, she was yeah. not there for Good. that. Because it's not a date. Like, see when people are like, oh, it's not a date movie, and that's because, like, I don't know, like some guy's dick gets chopped off or there's a bit of gore. Right, I can understand why you say that, but you could probably still watch it as a date movie. This is not a date movie. You know no. what I mean? Like, like, you could easily watch as a couple, Hereditary. Yes, it's not the most pleasant movie to watch as a date movie, but, like, Possession pisses all over with great unpleasance from a great height. Um, it's just so... Everything about it is just raw. Like, is, I don't know. It's like... It's like, like you know that way when you're, if you've ever bit your nails, but you bite into the quick? And then yep. you just get that. But there's for some reason, there's a morbid fascination with trying to pick at it. Known fine well, it will hurt every single time you do it. Ah, yeah, fuck it. But you do it again, like, five minutes later. That's what that <laughs> movie is. Uh-huh, yep. It was like, yeah, it's it's like super grating from like the get go because yeah. it's just like these two like arguing and yeah having like like you said the worst breakup ever, and then it just gets like infinitely fucking worse like well, from yeah, there. He, like he it's a movie that repels you. Yeah, he visit like the breakup is so fucking raw, and he thinks so horribly of her that he visualizes her as a fucking alien squid. Yep. There's a lot going on in that movie. Like, yes. <laughs> I, I definitely need to go back and revisit it another time. But yeah, it's it's uh, a lot of it. Uh, like, kind of comes and goes very nonchalantly. Oh, yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, did I just see that? Was yeah. that a thing? He visit, he visit, like, it's that idea of when you, it's the like, full manifestation of he, he pictures her as monstrous, so she becomes a monster. It's like as so so weird and interestingly enough was on the nasty list so that's another nasty okay. list off. so it was on the it was on the most severe nasty list mind you but um it was on there so. i'm not surprised that that movie is fucking insane <laughs> and yeah definitely left a left a bad taste in my mouth in a good way i was like i'm glad i fucking that actually played i think a cleaned up 4k version of fantastic fest oh, last year man. and we did not did not manage to get into that one unfortunately but i heard a lot of people talking about it oh my god this movie's fucking banana pants yeah yeah uh, it's, it's one of those ones that just it holds it, it always appears on those lists when people are talking about like you know like masterpieces that people have never got around to or the extremity of art house that's you know it appears always there it's like hiya remember me uh, i will eventually splurge out and get myself that 4k for sure because um the version i own is a very old i don't even think i have it on Blu-ray. Um, and it's been out in Blu-ray for a while, so I need to I need to do the upgrades. I did read, however, Mark, that you very much like myself partook in the the new Eggers movie. Oh yeah, uh-huh. The Northman. Oh boy. <laughs> oh man, I like my my testicles were empty by the end of that movie. <laughs> I, like I like honestly, I was like, he just made this for me. <laughs> <laughs> needed needed CPR because all the blood rushed out of your head and into your into your Johnson. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what there is not to like. I can see I can see why audiences and critics alike are kind of like unified and yeah, this is kind of fucking an awesome movie. Um, even if you don't appreciate the filmmaking behind it, which I mean, that's like Eggers forty. Even if you don't appreciate that, I mean, it's it just hits all those sweet spots. It's, it's just it, like it's, it, like I described it at the time. Um, in fact, my exact words coming at the cinema to Baz, who who was with me, is that movie was in three words Viking as fuck. Um, <laughs> that, it, that it was. Yeah, and there were several bits where I was like, "That this is just like the most black metal movie ever fucking made." Um, just like just full on 
gnarly uh, in the best possible way. And just like a big soapy hand job to Conan the Barbarian, which, I mean... Yes, I thought the same exact thing. I was like, this is basically Conan only with Vikings, and I'm not complaining about that whatsoever, because yeah. it's been a while since we got a good Conan movie. Yeah, it just it made me very, very happy. Even the, like, even, like, the, the way the musical cues hit in, like, whenever there was a fight, it was like, everything would be quiet, and it would go, bum, 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 Oh, yeah. It was like, yes. <laughs> Fucking stab him in the gut. Um, I saw some people going, it's not, it's not gory enough. And I'm like, you can get to fuck. And there's a did door they miss and the, sure the, the human... Did they miss the human sculpture that shows up on the rooftop at some fucking point? Like that, apparently just completely missed that bit more. <laughs> I mean, like, it goes again. It goes quick. If you're looking at your phone, you might fucking miss it. But it yeah, just it reminds like, me that Whoa. just general the general public are arseholes. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> so, but no, I was uh, I was over the moon, and what I have enjoyed reading is the you know the uh, like people now saying oh you know the risk won't pay off and i'm like who gives a fuck if the risk pays off robert well, eggers uh, does not need to worry about getting his next movie financed like like the northman could have been the the most underperforming movie of all time and he will still get his next movie picked up that is not even that's not even a question like like a24 are in with him they they know yeah. what they have with him he, he's guaranteed movies from them at least maybe not like necessarily a bigger studio but then it also made me think uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve who did Dune just what last year that one he had a bunch of failures in a row shitloads like like Blade Runner didn't make its money back Arrival didn't make its money back Sicario didn't make its money back like he's literally not had a in terms of box office performing movie like where it brought in all the money and all the rest since I think Prisoners which is like his second movie. And right. that was a decade ago. So, you know, like, it's like, like just, that's like, there, if you, if, if you can be seen to be a proven quantity and that doesn't always mean money. Most of the time it does, but it doesn't always, you're fine. So I got my giant Viking movie directed by Robert Eggers uh, with a blink and you miss it, the art performance on the big screen. And I am a happy guy. Um, and yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure he's weeping into his pillow that his movie didn't make Marvel money, but it's a fucking Viking movie. I mean, yeah, I, just I mean, it's don't know. it's it was ex I think it was a pretty. I, I think the budget on the thing was supposed to be like seventy five million or something. Yes. And they like really, they really spent it well because it's. I mean, when you do like a, a period piece like that, kind of like if if everything isn't like if the whole budget isn't up on the screen you don't really feel like you're like transported to that world well, and it just feels like is, you're watching a thing kind of here's what here's what i'm hearing um is that actually more than half that budget has been spent on the marketing which is bizarre because yeah i barely saw well i mean the trailers have been out for a little while but like you remember the thing with the new york subway posters yeah, that didn't even, even the have the fucking <laughs> yeah the name of the movie is not even on the goddamn poster <laughs> It's like, oh, cool. You spent that money real well, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like you really need to. Uh, the posters for that thing kind of pissed me off too, because they're definitely trying to like, you know, push the cast more than like a hundred percent than anything else, because they're trying to get you know normies that don't know don't know about Robert Eggers and his other movies like in in into the theater. And I don't think that fucking worked. I think most of the people that showed up for this thing were people that had seen the lighthouse and had seen the witch and were really looking forward yeah, plus to it. There's, there's a there's a level of as well as what I would say of not Viking fatigue, 
but there was obviously that Viking TV show, um, yeah. which I watched all of this year. I've been and thoroughly enjoyed it. But then Netflix, they then continued that on with Vikings Valhalla, which came up, what, about a month and a half ago on Netflix, which I've also binged. Um, so, like, there's a, there's a kind of prerequisite for how people are used to consuming Vikings on the big screen now. And Eggers doesn't play that game. Like, you know, everything's authentic. So, like, like down to the songs, the like, specifically the design, the clothing, the way characters act, the rituals and all the rest are as authentic as it could be to the time period. Where, whereas the aforementioned Vikings TV show, which was actually a History Channel production, is surprisingly inaccurate. Like, yeah. it just like it just plays Footloose and Fancy Free with fucking every detail. So, like, I think there's some people maybe looking for a more sensationalized version of something and maybe not getting it. But it, it was it was balls to the wall. It was kick ass. I pre-ordered the 4K. I like I cannot wait for it to come home. I'm gonna watch it like naked with nothing but like a, a beard hood on top of me um, <laughs> and you know that that's that's going to be my new my new wardrobe for watching the movie but yeah uh, once again robert eggers proving to me the dude is maybe one of the most talented directors just walking the planet just now he makes his movies even though he talks about how miserable all the all the movies have been experience wise making them um, he makes these movies look effortless on the screen, which I think is a talent that very few directors have. So. Yep, yep, agreed. I absolutely loved it. If it's still playing in theaters by the time people at home hear this, go see it. It's really good. Yes, yes. I'm I'm very tempted to try and get back out and see it one more time before it's removed from the, the, the theaters um, over here. Uh, very much, very much in my wheelhouse. Um, anything else you want to say up front here, Mark? Are we going to get, are we going to talk about a movie which is not as good as? <laughs> yeah. Um, and if people uh, were wondering that there wasn't a lot of blood in the Northman, geez, <laughs> they might have a lot yeah. to say about final exam. Yeah, they're gonna be sad about that movie. Uh, r- real quick, I I also saw the Batman finally because it finally oh, came out on nice. HBO. I, really I record. I, yeah, I really liked it too. I just yesterday recorded a super, I think it's like a two and a half hour long episode with Darren Wilson over on Psycho Semantic Cast. It's all about Batman stuff. So that should be out here. You recorded pretty, the Batman length podcast. <laughs> pretty fucking close. Yeah, pretty close. If you, yeah, you get me talking about Batman, I can talk about Batman all mm-hmm. fucking day long, basically, is what I what I learned yesterday. Um, so yeah, that, that should be out here pretty quick. Uh, also watched another Vinegar Syndrome uh, release. Uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, Rush Week, which is a slasher movie that takes place on a college campus. And I was like, really, I, I realized I've watched about like six or seven movies that are like all 80s slasher movies that take place like either on a college campus or kind of along those lines. Mm-hmm. This is like final exam for this one. Uh, a little while ago, we watched one called Boarding House, which is like really, really similar. And fuck, there's another one that, yeah, I, I don't know. Vinegar Syndrome and these guys must have just like found a whole pile of like old, like college age or college centric slasher movies and just put them all out at the same time. Because I feel like I've seen the same fucking movie over and over again here pretty soon. Uh, Rush Week is okay. It's nothing special. It's got a couple funnier moments, but it's kind of 
it's a little bit like we'll get into final exam it's it's kind of a toothless slasher that like i was like eh, all right it's got some fairly problematic things that have not aged fucking well it's gay it's also kind of goes back to uh, the last episode where we were talking about sex comedies like trying to make movies that appeal to college kids is like kind of uh it, it it might turn out okay at the time. I mean, nothing mm-hmm. is ever going to be Animal House again for sure. But that's it. Uh, yeah. Even even Animal House has some stuff in it that's aged like fucking milk at this point. So yeah, I don't know. we'll get into it a little bit more here with final exam. But uh, yeah, Rush Week is it's okay. It's probably when you could skip. Nice. Well, ladies and gents, let's uh, let's bring it into our dirty business for this episode. Two movies coming your way we're going to start off a final exam because i want to get this one away um so we're going to take a short break just now you are going to hear learned people from the video nasties doc do the old intro on this one it feels like this might be a kim newman um i I have no idea we'll find out you'll find out when you hear the voice um yeah there you'll hear the trailer for final exam when i return myself and mark ball chatting that movie right after this some may pass the test god help the rest Uh, That's fairly appropriate for final exam because this is one of the rest. Um, In the early 80s, after Halloween and Friday the 13th had made enormous fortunes, there must have been 50 or 60 generic slasher movies in production at the same time. Most of them even got theatrical releases in Britain. Things like Terrorize and He Knows You're Alone and When a Stranger Calls, Happy Birthday to Me, Don't Answer the Phone. All of those got major theatrical releases. Final Exam just came out on video, which I I think shows you just how generic and ordinary it is. Of all the slasher movies, this has, I think, the least interesting villain. It's a nameless guy in a green jacket who kills students for no apparent reason in not very interesting ways. And he doesn't even really start doing it until the last half hour of the film. The build-up is that that stuff that we learned to endure in the 80s of frat boys playing stupid pranks on each other in order to fill out the running time. And if there's a single memorable thing about this entirely ordinary film is that it features the least amusing fraternity prank ever, which is that during an exam... In order to distract the authorities uh, while he steals the test paper, um, the head fraternity guy has his mates turn up on campus in uh, a van wearing balaclava helmets and jump out and pretend to spray the crowd with automatic machine gun fire. Some of their confederates fall down pretending to be dead. So yes, they stage a mock campus shooting in order to have a laugh. And what's really strange is that the authorities treat this as if they had, like, dyed the pond green or, you know, hung some underwear from the flagpole. It's just, oh, kids, what do you know? You know? Um, and after that, this has settled down, naturally everybody involved in this does get horribly murdered later, but probably not horribly enough. The only other even mildly uh, interesting thing about it is a casting thing more than anything else. The kind of 
creepy, nerdy guy with a crush on the heroine, who also is obsessed with serial killers and goes on and on about them, is played by an obviously gay actor, to the point where you think this is going to be part of the, the story, but no, it's not. They just got a gay guy to play the role um, and didn't do a rewrite to take out the bit where he's supposed to be in love with the girl. And he gets killed too at some point, beyond the point where you think it was almost interesting if the nerd will turn out to be the hero and save the heroine. Nah, nothing doing. It's got all the stereotypes. You know, there's the stupid jock, there's the slutty girl who's sleeping with the professor, there's the, so the geeky guy who's obsessed with serial killers, there's the nice girl who's going to survive at the end. Uh, they probably are your old friends by now if you've watched as many of these slasher movies as, as most horror film fans have. Directed by Jimmy Houston, who later made My Best Friend is a Vampire. But that's about it. It's an entirely unmemorable campus slasher film. Final exam, it's probably the last slasher movie you need to see. At Lanier College, they have the finest security. The best teacher-student relations. No fraternity raising. Strictly enforced curfews. And a killer. He's come back. Final exam. When are you going to realize that the whole world isn't made of psychopaths? There's a murderer around campus killing people. Some may pass the test. Lisa! God help. Rest. Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Final Exam. This movie was released, well at least over here in 1981. Uh, I believe it was filmed in 1980. And it's written and directed by Jimmy Houston. The movie itself stars a bunch of, I believe having done a bit of the research on this one, um, stage actors, uh, which explains a lot. Uh, Cecile Bag. Baghdadi, uh, Joe Les Rice, Ralph Brown, Deanna Robbins, Sherry Willis Birch, John Fallon, Terry W. Farron, Timothy L. Rayner, Sam Kilman, he could be the killer, he's not, uh, <laughs> Kilman, uh, Don Hitner, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, Mary Ellen Withers, <laughs> Elijah Perry, Shannon Northfleet, Carol Kapka, and some other folks. Um, the synopsis for this one is wait for it Mark it's an original one coming right at you a psycho killer shows up on a college campus to slash up pretty co-eds and dumb jocks I mean that does happen in this movie and many other movies yes um... so let, let, me, let me let me start with some things i liked about this movie oh <laughs> I, I i liked i kind of like the killer in this movie yep he's uh he's pretty and this is huge spoilers we're just gonna get right into this this movie's old you should have 
seen it by now if you haven't i mean we'll get to that but um i i I like the killer in this i like that he doesn't have like a goofy fucking mask i think they did a pretty good job of filming him either like from a distance or um like from the from behind or whatever so you don't ever really see his face very well Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think the killer is pretty brutal. I think it's unfortunate that they don't show a lot of his fucking kills. <laughs> In fact, like almost every single one of them is off basically screen. off screen or it edits like it jump cuts to the next scene as soon as the violence happens. I don't know if this was an intentional thing it's or an intentional if this censors. No, no, no. This is this is this is before your censors started tearing up movies in the USA. This was a purely intentional thing. Uh, Apparently, uh, the director himself um, did not want to fall into the trappings of other slasher films of the time, which is mind-boggling because this was made in 1980. Yeah, he had no idea what was to come. Yeah, like, (laughs) this is just at the start. Like, Friday the 13th had only just been released. So it, it blows my mind that at this point he's like, yeah, we might be falling into some traps here. <laughs> like, like, you strap yeah. yourself in, motherfucker. Like, shit's about to get real fucking CD real fucking fast. Um, no, this is like an intentional, I want to create a character piece movie, which I'm all down with if the characters were, like, anywhere near interesting. Like, yeah. I, I just find them all kind of awkward and there's part of me that thinks that's if anything that makes them more real like the act the acting in this movie isn't necessarily great but the kind of awkwardness between these college students kind of makes me like feel that they're a bit more authentic teenagers are awkward like there's no getting around it um it's been a long long time since i was one but i was super awkward um and like i i hate the the the, the general like see when you watch like movies like Scream like the kind of new wave of these college era slashers everyone's too fucking cool for school and they're all shagging and they know like fucking the deep cuts to Suspiria and like just all this stuff that no fucking teenager would ever fucking know right um they're all gorgeous there's not like a, a no, zit to be yeah. seen anywhere and this movie they all feel re- not completely but there's a whole swath of them that just feel relatively awkward um, but this links to the second thing, right? You have a, an exploitation slasher movie which doesn't really have any blood. No nudity. Did that even cross your mind? Like, there's there's zero... In fact, if you think about what the trappings of a slasher movie are, right? There's no, there's no real, like, they're, they're all having sex or, you know, like, they're all taking drugs and drinking too much. None of that's really in this movie. No, in fact, this, this is the one that opens with, because I watched this about a week ago, and mm-hmm. like I said, I now have confused about five of their movies. This starts with the kids that, like, making out in the car, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's, like, yeah, that's, as far as I remember, that's, like, the only, like, sexuality that's in this movie at yeah. all, and it's, like, done very, like, 1950s style. Yeah. It's also surprisingly, and this is not a slight against the movie, and it's not something that I necessarily think is bad, surprisingly homoerotic in parts. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like, like weirdly on that level, I don't know if, in the past, you would tend to find that the, the director would be gay, 
that would do something like that. And once again, that's fine. You know, like that's you know that's your sexual persuasion. Like, go for it. Um, I mean, this dude is probably best known for uh, My Best Friend's a Vampire, which was his follow-up movie. After this, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fun one. It's like a it's a horror comedy, um, and it also kind of you know is once again another movie that really leans back on the the violence and or the sex. I just don't think he's a director that likes doing that sort of stuff. Maybe he just wasn't comfortable with it. Which once again, yeah. that in itself. If that's you know if that's where you land, that's fine. That's cool. That's not a problem. There's no need. There's no need to run. Uh, you know to worry about it. Um, he also did the screenplay for Running Scared, which is a fucking classic movie. Um, have you seen Running Scared? Billy Crystal. Uh, Gregor Hines. I don't think so. <gasps> you, need to, you, you need to get that movie watched, buddy. It's not a horror, um, but it's a kind of buddy comedy. It sounds super familiar, right? You will have seen I, it. You'll get about three minutes in it and be like that. I have seen this fucking movie. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, he's he seemed to have like a talent or a knack for writing more comedies than necessarily horrors. And I wonder if maybe that's kind of why we end up where we do with this movie. Kind of feels like he's like that. Well, I, I don't. I'm not really interested in the gore stuff, so that's not in my movie and I'm not really interested in the sex stuff so that's not in my movie but I want lots of character interactions because that's how you do comedy um, but this is not uh, a funny movie yeah. it's not even a fun movie it's, <laughs> no. it's just a very beige movie like everything in here just felt I mean this is a runtime of an hour and a half and it felt long and I think it's mostly because and there's a huge amount of time spent setting up like you say, the killer as a concept is kind of cool. The way we see him is kind of cool. And he's like, he is a proper slasher killer. It's a knife he has. So guess what I want to see, Mark? I want to see some stabbing. Yeah. And it's definitely, yeah, it's implied. Like there, yeah. there, there's definitely some implied like brutality going on with this dude. And he's just like a, like, I don't think we get any fucking backstory on this dude at all. Like, even mm -hmm. less than, like, you know, your, your Michael Myers's or whatnot. Like, he's just he's just a fucking pure killing machine. Yeah. And there's something really rad about that. And it's like they, like, had, you know, to use a baseball analogy, they had all the bases loaded. And then the dude just, like, struck out completely by not putting any kind of, like, not following through with any of it, basically. And I found it really frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think especially, like, you've said yourself, you've watched a lot of these sorts of movies recently. Yeah. Um, and yes, they all fall into the same trappings. But guess what? Some of those trappings are required to make those movies watchable. You know, the, like, the death, the gore, the nonsense sex, the, you know, the cringy moments where everyone dances and there's a band that plays a song in the middle of it. <laughs> those things are kind of required to make your movie entertaining enough to get through when you take them out what do you, what you have left is something that is not memorable um it's relatively boring and fairly mediocre and that's yep. kind of where i fall on this one i did some of the the trivia behind the movie though is fucking amazing uh, like this one here during an interview with the hysteria lives actor timothy l rayner who plays the killer said that he got the role of the killer because the director Jimmy Houston was impressed with his wait for it 
martial arts skills and his ability to handle a weapon. Rayner says that oh. the, knife, the knife that he wields in the movie wasn't a prop, but was an actual butcher's knife, right? Oh, Which one, well, that, that explains mean, a lot. One, would never happen today, but two, you have a guy <laughs> who has martial arts skills on the screen, and we don't see that once. Yeah, I mean, not really. It's it's kind of the the logic of like why you hire like uh, like dancers and like body performers like for for certain like stunt roles. Kind of there is more of, martial like... arts in PCs than there is in this movie. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, there certainly is. Uh, I mean, I, I'm certain like some of it translates up on the up on the screen, and that's why like you know at least I think the 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 guy playing the killer like has like he puts in a pretty good performance yep. like considering he has no dialogue or anything mm -hmm. i think it's like one of the better ones and like it's stuff that like you know guys like kane hotter would you know do kind of the same thing later on down the line but uh yeah the fact that there would like i think that kind of explains a lot that there wasn't like a prop knife that they could use that shows like people did they not like you know pick up the dick smith makeup book or had never seen like any of tom savini's work like it's I don't just think, bizarre you know what i mean i don't think it's the tricks like... were that new that you make a prop knife that looks like you know it's like telescoping so it looks like people are getting stabbed those were probably in magic shops at the time that you could yeah. just buy yeah i don't i don't know i don't know it just seems all very 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 strange as relating to um its position with the sensors the ending death sequence was deemed too much mark by the MPAA that gave the film an X certificate rating despite no visibility of gore. Much obligingly, the filmmakers chose to prune the stabbings from 18 to 12 and the film was re-rated as an R. Which uh. makes, you, makes you wonder, 12, 12 stabbings on screen, totally, uh, totally uh, acceptable and will not influence a member of the audience to kill someone when they leave. By 18, no. Oh, that's crossing the line. Those extra I, don't even, I don't even remember 18 characters in this fucking movie. Of course not. It's fucking <laughs> it's like, the fact that anyone would... The fact this even made the fucking... This was again just goes to show that no one watched all these movies in the UK. Because this movie no. was released over here. Um, was like was uh, essentially confiscated. Uh, ultimately ended up on the third tier list, but then was passed uncut in the UK in 1988. Yeah, eight years later, when yeah, there's yeah. been five billion other movies to come out like this, and it loses any sense of well, yeah, originality like all, all at the all. movies that came out after this were so much more graphic. Yeah. Like <laughs> Shit, I'm like maybe we were a bit itchy trigger finger on this one. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. I I just we, I just found it like so banal. We're gonna we gotta talk about the elephant in the room, which is the scene that like you could, the, not, wait, you they, could not wait to talk about this. Of, of course they let let this ride, but eighteen stabbings. It's like oh no no. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a prank by the, the the rowdy frat house in the middle of this movie where a van full of dudes with ski masks and fucking machine guns. Yeah roll up on campus and murder a bunch of fucking people and of course it all like it all turns out to be a prank which like you probably you know i probably should have seen coming a little bit more but i was just so fucking appalled at what i was seeing i was like uh this movie has aged backwards this has become more offensive like nowadays 
mostly because of this fucking insane scene where there's a goddamn school shooting in the middle of it and it's played off for fucking laughs like, like 10 minutes later in the movie. I was just like, oh my god, what were they thinking? Clearly they did not realize how fucking dark uh, primarily America was going to become in the very near future. I was like, holy shit. It's not like that half the people on campus seem genuinely born, but kind of bothered by it. The other half just are just carrying on. Yeah, like this thing like, happens <laughs> every other week. Oh, it's another, it's another terrorist plot, lol. Well, those old Delta boys are up to their <laughs> shenanigans again. I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, how how did this make it into this movie? What were they thinking? Yeah, it's it's a lot of shit. It's like, was it like, it's the, all these movies have to have one of those scenes where you're like, oh, college. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I just don't get it. I don't get it. That's movie, man. Honestly. It's not formally been released in the UK on Blu-ray. Um, however, it is on Prime just now. It looks like it's the Screen Factory print that's up on Prime because it's in high def. Um, right. Screen Factory is the only <clears throat> company that I'm aware of that has released this on Blu-ray. Um, it makes me wonder, after the amount of shit that I sat through for that 88 film slasher classic collection, why Final Exam is not on that list is beyond me. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard people talk about this movie before, I'm pretty sure, and it is like, you know, it does, you know, aside from being super toothless, it does fit right along in, in with, like, a lot of the, you know, the slasher movies of the 80s, basically. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, maybe maybe the Scream Factory one didn't sell very well, because I don't, I, like I said, I've heard people talk about this, but I don't know anybody that's, like, a super fan of, like, the final exam. I'm sure there's probably one or two of you out there, but... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you. I think if you have a real kind of niche for slasher films, and specifically ones that feel very different to the run of the mill ones, like I say, I think there's an interesting at its core. I think the idea of preempting where the genre is going to go and actually want to spend more time getting because it's like almost in a lot of ways this movie does what I complain a lot of movies doesn't do which is give me a lot more time with the characters um like had it like picked better actors a better fucking script and really leaned into that and still given me the violence this movie instantly shoots up quite a bit because I like that idea there are so many movies that are in or around this time or just shortly after where like it is every stereotype possible on the screen and you don't really you'd be lucky if you remember their names five minutes after the movie finishes and they're all relatively obnoxious um and this movie like at least tries to spend the time with the characters before killing them off screen um but it's i don't know i don't know i just oh yeah I'd like if I never see this movie again I I don't feel like I would be losing something but I do I know for a fact there'll be three or four people out there that think Final Exam is a really interesting slasher movie but not for any of the reasons that would make an entertaining slasher movie yeah right let's let's say let's talk let's talk grades buddy um for those that are listening for the first time on doing the nasty we do slightly different grading system here um the harshest grade we can hand out uh, the one that's reserved for the really nasty ones on the nasty list is essentially some hard time so it's going away it's doing some hard time it's thinking about what it's done 
if it's it's got those nasty elements but isn't like your ice pit on your grave or last house on the left level then we give it a little bit of the community services um if it is essentially a movie with just some stuff in it that's worth talking about but nothing on a level that would be deemed too malicious then it gets a little slap on the wrists uh, and if it's a movie that has nothing in it at all other than confusion from me and Mark as to why it's even on the list uh, it's a case dismissed uh, I'm dismissing this there's nothing in it like there is absolutely yes there is after effect death which is fine but I could have watched a documentary on the TV back in 1981 where I could have seen a dead body I didn't see the body get killed but a dead body would have been on it um, so yeah like yeah, this but out with the fact that I had a title about something that could be roughly related to a school and a slasher killer on the front. Like to me, there's no reason at all anyone should have even given this a passing thought. I'm giving this a, a very slight slap on the wrist for the school shooting scene. Other than that, <laughs> there's really nothing. We I forgot there is like a little there is a little bit more sexuality in this, and they implied that there's a student that's sleeping with one of her fucking instructors, which is also something that's aged backwards, mm -hmm. like compared to now. Now that's like a fucking no, no, no. You don't fucking that's not an okay thing. And yeah, that pops up a lot in these fucking. I, I I think there's something like that implied in Animal House too, or one of the yeah. chicks is banging fucking uh, what's his face, keep uh, Donald Sutherland. Um, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, this thing is pretty goddamn tame. There's really nothing. There's not like what about Jason X, where she's physically she's <laughs> Jason X, she's physically straddling her teacher and using oh, tongs yeah. to twist his nipples so she can get an A, and he's like, oh you. Yeah, I mean that was that was two thousand two, so that's like I mean it's it's still not happening. not cool. Yeah, it's, it's always, always been, been happening. happening. Mark, it's always been happening. It's, it's more more nowadays where we're just like, uh, this is super super skeezy behavior. Yep. Please Cringe. don't do this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, final exam is pretty pretty goddamn tame. Like as like I, I I don't know a lot of these like yeah like college slashers like I said that I was watching like, don't really go super far i think they're kind of like as far as the sensors are concerned i think they're kind of just a product of their time and they knew that they were marketed towards young people and you know didn't did, didn't want to be corrupting the 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 13 to 18 crowd kind of deal so mm -hmm. uh yeah that's kind of where i'm at with this one nice right ladies and gents we're going to jump on to our second and final movie of this episode it is one of the ogs of the genre we're going to be talking about and i can't imagine we're going to be bringing very much like friday the 13th can't imagine we're going to be bringing any new critique to the movie night of the living dead but we might be able to bring some of the enjoyment and maybe some of the stories about how important this is to both of us as reviewers you're going to hear someone possibly Alan Jones, this feels like an Alan Jones setup, um, talk about Night of the Living Dead. When we return, myself and Mark will be discussing this very strange and bizarre rarity because this movie is black and white and it's on the nasty list, which to me kind of nulls a lot of the arguments for the nasty list. You know what I mean? Kind of straight away. That'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Night of the Living Dead right after this. So, Night of the Living Dead, it's strange that it's even in this company because it seems so elevated above 
the entire rest of the genre. It's almost like all subsequent horror pictures owe this huge debt to Night Living Dead. I wrote a whole book about yeah, the influence of Night Living Dead on contemporary horror cinema. Uh, and yet, when you get back to it, one is, of course, it's still a low-budget black-and-white film that is rough-hewn and a bit amateurish, uh, and that was part of its shock. And, yeah, it's a, it's older than most of the films. Yeah, it's a film from the mid-60s, not even the late-60s. It's the template of so much that came afterwards that it's difficult to remember how shocking it was when it came out. Although, recently, I... I watched it again at the the ritzy cinema in brixton with an audience of kids who hadn't seen it before and although you could see that they were distanced from it in time and in technique uh and some of the things about it seemed clumsy to them the ending still is a kick in the teeth there are things about this movie that go further than most contemporary horror pictures than the remakes and the imitations and the sequels and the spin-offs it's where we came in in modern horror, um, and it's still a film that we should, you know, regularly watch again. So it's odd in this context to see it as just part of the product, just another popular video release of the early 80s, but it was. I mean, it was a film that was around a lot, uh, partly because of the, the grey market rights issue that, that still dogs Night the Living Dead. Um, and it was just... It was another zombie film. There are a lot of... I don't know how many of the the big hit video movies of the 80s turned out to be in black and white when you pop the tape in um i wondered if some some renters might have been quite shocked by that um because yeah it's almost like that i think it may be the last american film to made to be made in black and white for budgetary reasons um and things had so much changed by the early 80s where black and white wasn't cool yet. There was no you know, sense that maybe you might go out and make a, a black and white movie, although David Lynch had just made a razor head, that this was something that, that distanced it from your you know, usual run of video product. But it's also possible to look at it and say, yeah, it's just a really gruesome zombie movie with you know, actors you haven't seen before and won't be seeing again. And, you know, lots of gut munching and some pretty good suspense stuff. The fact that it then has this enormous weight of critical importance bared on top of it isn't the film's fault. And I think that part of its lasting success has been that fresh audiences, once they get past the sort of shakiness, can still be shocked and upset by it. And certainly the, the you know, the video rental kids of the early 80s were... Yeah, another, like the second or third wave of fans of this movie who embraced it, who went back and watched it over and over again, which I certainly did, uh, and saw it as a, you know, a major classic, as one of, one of our films, one of the most important films of, of our culture. It's nice seeing it, say, maybe knock down a peg or two to be here. Uh, yes, there's uh, something that there it is on the, on the rack between yeah, um, Charles Band's movies and the slasher pictures of the 80s as, as, you know, just another good solid horror picture. And one of the reasons Night of the Living Dead was a big video 
was that Dawn of the Dead had just been a success. So it got re-released off the back of that. There were various things that linked the two movies, uh, including the uh, the amazing box artwork of Tom Chantrell, which everybody stole from the rental copies and stuck up on the walls. Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. <laughs> of the living dead. A bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror. Night. Of the living dead. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So, as one of the OGs of the genre, you just have the trailer for Night of the living dead this is directed by master of horror george a romero who co-wrote the screenplay with john a russo you guys may remember from earlier on in our season remember that mark when we sat down and we discussed a little bit of his nasty work in the movie midnight yeah, which I think just came out yes. from either Vinegar Syndrome or Severin, I forget which one. I think it was Vinegar Syndrome as well. Uh, so yeah, that movie is now available for you guys to go and check out. Um, this one stars Dwayne Jones, Judith O'Dee, Carl Hardman, Marlene Eastman, Keith Wayne, Judith Ridley, uh, Kyra Sean, Charles Craig, S. William Hinsman, George Kazanza, Frank Doak, uh, George Costanza's in this? Yes, George Costanza plays Sheriff McClelland. <laughs> no, Cosa- no, not Costanza. Jesus Christ. Cosana. Jesus. George Costanza is in this movie. Um, Jesus. Forget. See, this is what I told you before. This is what happens when I run nine miles before we record. <laughs> My brain just decides that letters are no longer important to read. Um... And yeah, there's a ton of other people in this one as well. Synopsis, as if you need me to read this out, was a ragtag group of Pennsylvanians. Yeah! Uh, barricade them. That's not what Pennsylvanians do. Uh, barricade <laughs> themselves in an old farmhouse to remain safe from a horde of flesh eating ghouls that are ravaging the east coast of the United States. Mark Ball, this is, like you said in the intro, maybe the most important film in your life. Um, 
so I will let you take the floor first. Like I say, I don't think we're necessarily looking for a film review here, but I think it'd be much more interesting just talking about our experiences on this movie when we saw it the first time, its legacy, etc. So the floor is yours, buddy. Yeah, I was, I think, like 12 or 13 when I first saw this. My mom bought me a VHS copy of this because we'd been... We, we were a couple years deep at this point into like mystery science theater and my mom grew up on you know the the golden age kind of, of like horror you know the the drive-in stuff the sci-fi stuff the, the corman stuff uh all that kind of stuff so she knew about this movie and i think knew that this was like uh you know a little bit a little, at least a little bit better than a lot of the you know crap that she grew up watching or stuff that they showed on mystery science theater which we watched like every single week kind of deal uh also important note that zombies were like just getting ready to have like a huge comeback like i kind of credit the resident evil games for getting me interested in zombie horror because this was uh, this is before the walking dead had come out this is before, you know, Shaun of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead remake. Um, and, but yeah, there's, there's there's a whole slew of fucking amazing zombie movies starting back with like this one and going all the way up to like the early 90s. Like I think the Night of the Living Dead remake was kind of the, the tail end of that. And then it, then it was kind of dormant for a little while until I think the Resident Evil games mm-hmm. had come out kind of. I think part three had just come out like right before... I got my first copy of Night of the Living Dead and I watched it and it fucking changed my life. Like I became an, a huge horror fan just like overnight. And I really started to like pay attention to like, oh, this is directed by this guy, George Romero. He has like at the time two other two other zombie movies in the series and there's a remake of the original night. So yeah, I just like I just devoured this stuff. I really credit the George Romero dead movies and the evil dead movies as being the movies that turned me into a giant fucking horror fan. And uh, Night of the Living Dead was also a huge inspiration and it made me want to be a filmmaker because, and same with the evil dead, like, you know, these these low budget movies that like just accomplish so much and are just so loved by people. I was like, I can fucking do that. And to a degree, sort of, kind of not really. By the time I was in, like the, so this this would have been like when I was in like about junior high as it's called in the states. So yeah, I was probably twelve or thirteen. By the time I was seventeen or eighteen, I kind of saw the writing on the wall as far as becoming a professional filmmaker. And I'm like, cameras are getting smaller. There's all this technology. There's this new thing called YouTube that's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Like maybe going and taking out half a million dollars worth of fucking student loans to go to film school is probably not the best idea. So I would work for a television station for a while, got super jaded. And eventually, uh, that became more of a hobby and less of a career, like making movies and stuff, which I have done a little bit, but, uh, yeah, this, this movie is like to credit for a lot of that. And I watched this about at least once a year nowadays, I've seen this on the big screen a couple times. Um, it's fucking painful for me to watch this with people that don't appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same, same thing like when I went to a screening of the original Halloween a couple of years ago and people were visibly fucking bored by like about the halfway mark and I was just like, oh my God, I don't belong on this planet. What <laughs> <laughs> these, one of these fucking people's deal is, but um yeah this 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 movie it, all of the george romero dead movies just get better with age like they're all 
so far ahead of their time and like you know talk about like not not very subtly in some cases you know issues that are that haven't gone away since like i mean 68 was like 68 and 69 were like really insanely important years in american history kind of i mean martin luther king was fucking killed in i think 68 or 69 uh it's the start of the civil rights movement it's the end of the hippie era it's like there's the vietnam is fucking raging and won't end until like like 75 or something so there's a lot of shit going on in the country when this this movie came out and i think it's like you know when it when it first came out it was largely kind of ignored and ran a lot of the you know the b-movie grindhouse drive-in kind of sets and then i don't think it was until it started getting shown in like europe a lot that it kind of became a little more highly regarded roger ebert shit on this thing when he first saw it (laughs) why does that not surprise you though i think he saw it at like an afternoon matinee where there was like children present it was like his main (laughs) fucking gripe he's like i can't imagine like this movie is like way too intense for children and then yeah like i said once it had like played france and like gone you know kind of gotten around a little bit more than hey this is way better than a lot of these schlocky fucking b movies he kind of came back around and was like okay i didn't understand at the time but yeah actually this is really great this is like eh, it's and and of course yeah there's this thing with the copyright on this movie like i think that's a big part of how this has been passed around like you know through so many different distributors and companies and like this is an insanely easy movie to get your hands on because they changed the title at the last minute and the print with the new title didn't have the fucking copyright symbol on it so effectively making it a public domain movie Mm -hmm. which sucks for everybody involved because they didn't make any fucking money off of it but yeah i've i've talked about this movie probably like more than any other movie except for maybe like the thing on podcasts so uh (laughs) bringing bringing new new points of view to this is kind of tricky i don't know we talked about a lot of the same stuff when dawn of the dead came up on this show a couple months ago like you know the the social commentary of both these movies like it just ages like a fine wine it just it becomes more true and more like sad kind of how, how shitty people are that's really what this movie is about it's not really about zombies at all it's about people in terrible situations and the terrible ways that they react to these situations and you know deal with each other and people are just never ever gonna get along basically but uh yeah that's that, that that's 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 the long and short of it kind of, of, the, of this one this is probably the most important movie that i've ever, ever seen because it just shaped my taste in not just movies but you know music and art and all kinds of shit at like such an important age so mm-hmm. uh, yeah if anybody's if anybody's listening to this if you got kids that are like uh you know interested in film or especially interested in the horror genre this is definitely one that you gotta show them at like just the right age where they're gonna be super receptive to it and i think it's gonna it's it's gonna continue blowing minds for generations to come there you go ha- fucking mic drop that's how we that's how we, that's how we fucking do it uh, yeah, kind of like yourself like i remember I like vividly remember the first time I saw this movie, and like this is like I would have been early teens, um. So I'd already seen movies much fucking nastier by that point, like just much more garish, much more over the top, violent, um. And I was never, and I still am, 
not necessarily the biggest fan of zombie movies in general. There's a handful that I think are exceptional movies. Um, and the ones that I gravitate towards are the ones that don't focus on the, the zombie aspect and rather focus on the societal or political or even to an extent just the people aspect of it those are the right. best ones and as you surprise no one that romero pretty much wrote the book on that you know that's kind of that was his bag for better or worse uh, sadly like by the end of his career like i think he felt that was the only way he could do a zombie movie um and as a result of that like trying to stay relevant or pertinent from a studio point of view to really those points instead of understanding that like you said the points in, in Night of the Living Dead are timeless I think linking them to the internet or you know like found footage all these sort of yeah. things those things age a movie whereas this movie doesn't really age because the ideas of how people treat each other specifically in crisis have never really changed. Um, I think it's one of the things you really, really tapped into, whether fully intentionally or purely accidentally, which, depending on what decade uh, Romero spoke, that ending was either 100% meant or 100% a happy accident. Um, and he seemed to flip-flop on that. To be honest, I'm, I'm happy flip-flopped on that. I hate, 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 hate directors who you know, are like, no, this is what the ending meant. And I'm like, right, well, it's not what I got from it. But now I'm thinking that I'm the dickhead that didn't pick it up right. Oh, thanks very much, Mr. Filmmaker. Uh, it's yeah. like, like fucking Ridley Scott. He's, oh, well, no, uh, Deckard is a replicant. Well, actually, he's not a replicant. Well, no, he is. He definitely is a replicant. Remember the, remember the small uh, unicorn? He's a total replicant. And like that sort of thing where he, like, I just, like, piss, like pisses me off. The, fact the whole thing like, with the the thing and the child's is the thing also. Uh, yeah. like, I never I never wanted this explained. Like, never by wanted it. Yeah, it's so much darker not to know. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's so much of a better ending not to know that. Um, almost like had there never been like a Halloween 2, for example, um, the idea of the boogeyman just disappearing it's terrifying and that's what John Carpenter yeah. wanted like and that's fucking terrifying it's a great ending don't fuck yeah. with it um, so like like I, I'm cool with him changing his mind kind of flip flopping a little bit on that one it is so ahead of its time it genuinely is I mean one is ballsy but also beneficial for the time period to shoot this in black and white it hides a lot of the cost uh, or lack thereof to make the movie um, but there is something kind of something kind of cool about seeing this movie like i know a lot of people are like you know watch the remake and watch it in black and white and i'm like well right i'm sure that's a great thing to do but they had the technology to make it in color and tom savini at no point said he wanted to make it in black and white so let's just watch it in color how about that um like, the remake also suffers massively from like when, once you get a look at some of the deleted scenes yeah. from that movie and like some of the gore that was deleted yeah. from that movie, the the theatrical cut is kind of fucking kind of is pretty tame. Very I was like, ah oh, man. 
But then it's it's, 1990. It's, they could have done so much more. It, it's fucking Tom Savini. What did they expect? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, this is Tom Savini. This is the guy that does all the effects. Are you going to censor him? I mean, what the fuck? What we're we doing here? Um, yeah, this movie. I, I, I mean, it delivers surprisingly great performances, like for the time period and the actors involved. It just adds a lot of tension. There's a lot of really, really, really tense scenes in this one. And, like, even the zombies, there's something inherently creepy about seeing them in black and white in this movie uh, that I, I, I love about it. You know, I just think it's a, it's a very clever, very smart choice. And Romero himself had an affinity for shooting like this. Um, it doesn't surprise me that, once again, we're talking about um, this, what, three-hour cut of Martin which is all black and white that's going to be remastered and coming out as well because that his original intention was black and white on that one because he wanted to do something that kind of had the feel of those universal horror movies. Um, right. And that makes sense to him to have it in black and white. It makes fucking sense to me when I think about it. So, yeah, it's a hugely, hugely important movie. Night of the Living Dead is one of those ones as well that has only... It's never, it's never got better for me. Like, the first time I watched it, I was like, well, this is a masterpiece. And it's retained that status all the way through. Whereas other Romero movies have kind of upped and down since then. Like um, like a movie like Survival of the Dead. The first time I saw it, I really didn't like it. But over time, I've grown to enjoy that one quite a bit. Um, or even a movie like, uh, like Dawn of the Dead, I will always love. But Day of the Dead, the first time I watched that, I was like, I don't know if I actually really like this movie. Now it's my favourite. Um, so it's, it's just weird that, you know... His other ones just didn't like instantly hit me as the oh right we're, we're dealing with someone who is is going to have an amazing career uh, and he, he really did I always feel sorry for George Romero when we spoke about it when we talked about um, Dawn of the Dead I always feel sorry for him because there's a guy who should not have had to have worked another day in his life once the night he swung around um, and because of sadly poor contracts and deals early in his career he, he just never he just never had that cachet to be able to say you know what he never had the cachet to do a John Carpenter and say I'm just going to play video games and play in a band um, and never happened to him usually important though like every like any master of horror documentary you've ever seen where the filmmakers are talking like all those ones that are in the crop talking every single one of them point back to Night of the Living Dead, and rightly so. Um, it, is, it, is the, it is the godfather in a lot of respects. I think without a movie like Night of the Living Dead, and certainly a movie like Psycho, um, the horror boom that we experienced in the 70s would not have fucking happened. Yep. Like, at all. Like, even a wee bit. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a bona fide classic. But the question is, Mark, does it contain such gnarly and nasty elements in a movie back in 1968 that's in black and white for you to give it scorn and grade it harshly? Uh, you know what the <laughs> grades are. Um, I'm really curious about this one. Under our grading system, what would you give Night of the Living Dead? So, <clears throat> this movie is pretty gnarly even still by today's standards it's got it's got some gross shit with you know, eating guts and stuff and little girl fucking stabs her mother with a garden trowel and eats part of her dad's fucking insides and uh the, the, there's also definitely for the time there's there's some racially charged violence although the movie never brings attention to race itself at any point in the movie 
Uh, it was a big deal in 1968 to have a black man punch a white girl and then shoot a fucking white guy. Like this was uh, this is ahead of its time, maybe to its detriment back in the day. Because yeah, this, I think I think uh, Dwayne Jones was definitely real worried about his performance in this. Is like I'm gonna get in fucking trouble. There's gonna be white people fucking mad at me. And I think it may have even also like turned off like some of the, some of the distributors at the time. They were just like, uh, "This is pretty transgressive, dude. I don't know if we could put this out." Which obviously, like a lot of stuff by today's standards, is extremely fucking tame. But this movie, I mean, that's I think that's part of what, what makes it so ti- so timeless. Is it's you know it's it's gonna have a fucking pretty nasty bite to it. Excuse the pun for mm-hmm. for for a long time to come but to outright ban a movie like this i think is a horrible fucking crime against cinema and i don't think there's anything more gnarly or dark in this than other movies like i think peck and paw had already like made a couple movies by the time this came out there's there's definitely like french movies that have come out at this point that are more upsetting and disturbing than this movie by a long shot uh so this is definitely this is this is definitely a case dismissed for me. This belongs in a fucking museum. <laughs> is it? I, I want to say this one is, isn't it? Didn't this one get the Smithsonian treatment? Yeah, or it's in the uh, the National Film Archive or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely is. Uh, alongside, you know, stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and other movies that I'm sure at the time people were like, what is this fucking schlock, <laughs> gross garbage? But... You give it, you give it a, you give it a couple of years and a, a tour around Europe where all the snobs are like, oh my, this is, this is, uh, this is high art. This mm-hmm. is a fantastic movie, important movie, and they're right. <laughs> it fucking totally is. But uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes time will tell on these things. But uh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Um, I mean, th- I always come back to the the same arguments when it comes to zombies. Like zombies are clearly not real. Um, so, you know, to me, it's it's fantasy death, and it's also in black and white, which I think, yeah, you're talking. There's a lot of there's a lot of gut munching and all the rest in this movie, but ultimately, it's it's not garish with its use of it, with because of the color. So it's like surprisingly smart for me, from the perspective of putting it out in black and white, because it like in a lot of respects, I think it overcomes those censors' values of well, it's go for gore sake because it's done in a way where it feels a bit more tasteful because of its choice of black and white whether or not that's you know deliberately a, a Romero design or not to me this once again is a is a case dismissed I, I like it's it's a hugely important horror movie but I don't think it does anything like from a if like from the groundings of what the nasty list is supposed to be it doesn't do anything where I'm like that well this is risky um you know it's it's a is he is he it's fantasy villains that are they don't exist in the real world um unless you're a hardcore nerd and into that shit um and it's kind of even the even the, the social aspect about it like if you were like i've i know people in the past that have said they've watched this movie and they don't see the social aspect they just see a zombie movie i like right like you clearly only see things in two dimensions that's okay um so like you can watch that movie without that and it's still a great fucking movie um so yeah like to me there's something incredibly witty and artistic about it as well which just very much like yourself makes me think that it's inclusion on any list 
which would restrict anyone from seeing it uh, in itself is fucking criminal so I would dismiss this thoroughly um, more ball we're going to take our final break of this episode when we come back we'll be revealing what we're doing at the end of the month and oh goody Jess Franco's coming back um, <laughs> he's, he's back and we're going to be talking about I think Nazis again so oh boy yay, <laughs> yay. coming right back right after this This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, the Psychosemantic Podcast. And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty Podcast. This has been Season 2, Episode number 28. We reviewed Night of the Living Dead and Final Exam Mark Ball in exactly the end of this month. Uh, we will be sitting down and we will be discussing another two movies. The first one, 1982's La Tumba de los Muertos Vivantes, aka Oasis of the Zombies. Oh boy. Yep. Just Frank. <laughs> I think I've heard of this one. Yep. <laughs> Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, an expedition searching for treasure supposedly buried by the German army in the African desert during World War II comes up against an army of Nazi zombies guarding the fortune. This is like dead snow but in the desert. Um, oh, it's, it's zombie lake all over again. I can't fucking wait, man. I <laughs> cannot wait. Give me it, give me it, give me it. Uh, and I'll tell you things that make me extremely excited are when the top review gives a 2 out of 10 saying I found I seem to have found myself dot 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 extremely bored dot so so we'll be doing that one it's a little bit Jesus Franco and we'll be doubling it up with a movie from 1978 and I've seen this one before I remember really liking this one so I'm kind of kind of excited to come back and check out we will be doing 1978's The Evil um, directed by Gus Traconis which I think is isn't that something you a Gus Traconis isn't that how you expel like a Dementor in Harry Potter <laughs> 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 I can't, can't quite remember um a doctor buys a Civil War-era dilapidated mansion and hires a few friends to fix it up. But the mansion hides a deadly secret. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've seen this one. It's, it sounds entertaining. Yeah, well, um, the top-rated review for this one says, this won't give you the shivers. Um, so, like, the yeah, we will see how it goes. I, I, like, I have seen it before. I remember it being a ton of fucking goofy fun. Um, so that's where we're going. Oasis of the Zombies and the Evil returning your way, ladies and gents. Um, end of the month, so a couple of weeks time. Until then, Mark, um, you're busy. You were talking about stuff you're doing. Let the listeners know what they can check out. Uh, yeah, the new 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 album. Uh, it's it's lots of synthesizers and fucking blasting drums and crazy shit. Uh, it's called Jinxed. It's gonna be on Bandcamp first. Uh, I'll, I'll look into like getting it on Spotify and some other shit. 
uh, if you just go to Bandcamp. Uh, I don't have any music up just yet, but this new album should be out uh, the first week of May. And then I might go back and try and rescue some of my older albums off of SoundCloud. Just just search Fancy Mark on uh, on the Bandcamp and you can find me. Uh, probably the other best place to find me is on Twitter. That's at the Fancy Mark. I'm still pretty active on there, even though a crazy billionaire is trying to buy the fucking platform or did already or something. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I still keep up pretty well on my letterbox. That's fancy, fancy mark or fancy underscore mark, something like that. Uh, it should be pretty easy to pick me out there. Uh, yeah, like I said, a new episode of the Psycho Semantic House should be up pretty soon where we talk about Batman and uh, we have a pretty long section about Neil Adams, who unfortunately just died day before yesterday, and all things Batman related. Uh, that, that should be out here pretty quick and i think that's that's about it uh yeah just follow follow me on the the, the twitters i usually post all my crap over there uh for podcasts and music and all that jazz so <laughs> nice awesome all right ladies and gents we will be back at the end of the month for more doing the nasty action until then take care of yourselves and we will speak to you all real fucking soon bye they were called nasties and they were nasty some of the things that we've seen are so horrific these films not only affect young people but i believe they affect adults as well an extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it i have never seen a video mister i wouldn't i actually don't need to see what i know is in that film.